This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. So we are in this series. We're going through Luke 2. If you have your Bibles, you can pull it up on your phone or open your Bible to Luke 2. We're going through verse by verse through the Christmas story. And today uh, we're talking about waiting for the Lord. And we're going to go deeper than just the waiting you probably are used to talking about or just becoming a patient person. Uh, If you go to Target, which I do multiple times a week to drop Amy off uh, at the front door, and then if you go and you drive down along the building, you'll see three spaces at the far end, and that's where all the husbands back in and wait for their wives to come out. And I was backed into the middle spot and two other trucks pulled up alongside me and you know, we had camaraderie, we're waving at each other. And I'm waiting for her to come out and we're all just squinting. You can just see all of us like on the edge of our seat waiting for our wife, "Ah, not her, okay, not her. But then that moment comes and you get to go and and pick her up. And I've told my wife when I die, I wanna be buried in the Target parking lot. So I know you'll come visit me three, four times a week. That's really (laughs) my desire. So. We're going way beyond that uh, this season, and and we've wanted to carry this throughout all of Luke 2. We want every member of our church, every guest to see this thread through the Christmas story, and that is the sovereignty of God, starting with the decree that was issued that moved Mary and Joseph uh, into position for where they needed to be, and then you maybe have seen the memes that uh, Joseph gets, you know, there and finds out, oh no, there's no rooms available, and it's, and it's almost like we joke about that, oops, he forgot to make a reservation. Even the manger, that's not an accident. Nothing about this story is just a circumstance or an accident. It's all part of the plan of God. And we've been looking at this big idea, and we're going to start today the same, that God is in control when life seems out of control. When the chaos is going on all around us and we see what's happening in our world, we can begin to just wring our hands and be like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But in every one of those moments, we need to be reminded that our trust is in the Lord. Our hope is in the Lord. We put our faith in him and we know that he is sovereign over it all. And so we know many of you this season are waiting. And if we can be serious for just a moment, many of you are waiting for a child to return to the Lord. And you've been waiting a long time. And today we're not just going to talk about the wait, but we're going to talk about how to wait. What do we do in the waiting? And that we wouldn't see waiting as wasted time. And some of you have placed your hope, your trust, your faith into the behavior of your child and that changing. But today that you would turn and this would be a morning of of recalibrating and, and retuning our lives on Jesus who is the hope and is the source and that we would look to him as we even think about that child who is far from God. Many of you have been praying for friends and family to accept Jesus. You've been praying for decades just a moment, we'll talk about that, that this, we're in this season where you invite family and friends to church, and, and you're just praying that they say yes, and then you're praying about how that whole time at church goes. We'll look at that in a second. But you continue to pray. Others of you are ready for wrongs to be made right. You just look around, and you're like, when is this going to be called out, and when is this going to be dealt with? And follower of Jesus, we need to be reminded that one day every wrong will be made right. Some of you look around at the injustice in our world and you see suffering and you're like, when will the suffering end? I promise you it will one day end. The Lord is in control and we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. This one is really just me working out some issues this week, but I'm ready for people to wake up. 
I, I, I'm sorry, I just, I look around and, and, and I'm just like, I, I'm a comedian in my, you know, nightlife, and uh, I, I found myself in the last couple of years taking bits out of my set because cancel culture said they're no longer acceptable, and I find myself taking them out, and this week I sat down, I said, I'm going to reintroduce them all in 2023, and I'm going to share them in their original form, <laughs> but then I'm going to share them in a politically correct way, and they're hilarious. You don't even have to write jokes today. They write themselves. Turn on the news, punchline after punchline after punchline after punchline. Go on social media, punchline after punchline after punchline. And you and I sit around. I'm not the only one that's doing this. You're sitting around going, this, people can't really be thinking this stuff. And I'm just like, at, at some point, it's gonna, the veil's going to come off their eye. They're going to look and see and go, yeah, let me tell you, one day, and the scripture's clear, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That day is coming, and we want to talk about that type of waiting today. But I, I just, I sometimes put my hope in people. Let me, you, you put your hope in people, every single time you're going to be, <sighs> because people are going to still do crazy things. People are still going to fall for just craziness. And I'm talking on both sides. We've been talking about this so much among our friends and church staff, just the polarization that it just seems people are going further and further and further away. And when you say, I want to stick with Jesus and I want to be with the original version and I want to be what's, what's true, you're just, you get, and you're like, wake up, wake up. Let me tell you, one day everyone will. People to wake up. And so for those of you who are losing heart, and I talk to you every single day. It's almost like you're giving up. We've taught our kids this first since they were very small. If you do those devotional cards at our church, A to Z series, you know that this is the E, the eagle in our series. And it says, those who wait for the Lord. It's not those who just wait. And some of you are just waiting, but you're not waiting for the Lord. That today would be that recalibration, that recentering on Jesus, that we're waiting for the Lord. They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. We taught this to our kids, and it's the eagle. And I remember when Carson, I don't, we bought a rickety canoe with a few holes in it and patched up the holes and tied it down to a tree on, I think, one of our neighbor's lots on Taney Como. I don't know whose lot it was, but it, uh, we would walk through the woods, and one of the first uh, voyages on that uh, canoe, an eagle flew over. And Carson from the series, and the lesson in that two-word lesson in that series is unlimited power. And I remember that eagle flying over, and Carson, like a mighty morphin Power Ranger, goes, unlimited power! <laughs> and I had to be like, okay, we're not putting our trust in that. All right, that is not, we are not pantheon. All right, we, our hope is in the Lord, then this word picture, but we will get strength when we wait for him. We will be bold and courageous and strong they shall run and not be weary. How many weary people are you meeting today because they're waiting, but they're not waiting for the Lord? I, I'm talking to a friend this week who's given up and he's walking away, you know, from his ministry. And, and you've heard me say this a couple of times in the past, and it usually gets a collective, like, agreement. And it's a simple statement. It, you don't have to show up to every fight you're invited to. Right? You can actually see someone arguing or complaining online, this is going to be crazy. You can scroll right past it. You don't have to stop. You got, that's your freedom. You can keep on going. You don't have to show up. And most people are like, yeah, you're like, why? You don't have the energy, the capacity, or the time to deal with every fight that's introduced to you. 
But the problem, and here's where the weariness has come in in our culture in the last couple of years. I believe you and I have been invited to more fights in the last three years than in the previous 20 years combined. And it's exhausting. And you keep showing up. A friend of mine texted me t this week, and all he said was, don't take the bait. I'm like, that's right. I will not. Because we grow weary and we grow faint. But when we wait for the Lord, listen, I don't have to make every wrong right. I don't have to end all suffering, but I know the one who will. And I am waiting on him. And today, as we talk about waiting, in the context of the first coming of Christ, Advent, the Christmas season that we're in, and then we'll end with the second coming of Christ, because we get these two stories today in our series. This is the longest section of Luke 2 we're looking at, Luke 2, 22 through 40. And we're going to see the story of Simeon and Anna. Two old people, an old man and an old woman, who proclaim the good news of Jesus. But what jumps out of the text at us, yeah, it can be their age, it can be that they were devout, but what I want us to look at and focus on today is that both of them were waiting on the consolation of Israel, the redemption of God's people. They were waiting and they didn't give up. They just weren't passively sitting back doing nothing. They were actively waiting, and that's for us today. So the waiting, the who? Simeon and Anna, we're going to see it today. They were waiting on Jesus. What? To come to earth. That's the first coming of Christ. When? We're going to see in the story today that uh, Simeon was told by the Holy Spirit that he would be alive at the first coming of Christ. And we're going to see that that's a promise fulfilled. You and I, we are waiting on Jesus in the second coming, right? That's the what? The return of Christ for the church. The when, we don't know. We've not been given the day or the time. Maybe you've seen televangelists who have said the same thing Simeon said, but they weren't given this promise. They said that it's going to take place in their lifetime, and those televangelists are now dead. Makes for a pretty bad prophecy. When you proclaim that you've seen this week, I was laughing, this 100-year-old lady uh, she drinks three Dr. Peppers a day. Has anybody seen this video online? And the, the news reporter was interviewing her. You eat three Dr. Peppers a day. Tell me what that's about. She goes, I, all, every one of my doctors told me I shouldn't do this, but they're all dead. <laughs> so she's still drinking three Dr. Peppers a day at 100. Jesus is returning. We don't know when, but here's where I think, here's where I think we blow it. Here's where I know I blow it. I can lose heart. I can grow weary. I can become faint. And you and I need to be reminded today how to wait. And Simeon and Anna are going to teach us that. So let's jump into Luke chapter two in this great text. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses. Okay, so there's three ceremonies in Luke chapter two. Uh, we looked at the last one or the first one last week in verse 21, Travis covered that, and that is the circumcision of Jesus, which takes place on the eighth day after birth. The second ceremony is the consecration of firstborn males, so the dedication of Jesus. And then the third is the purification of Mary to make her ceremonially clean again. It says, so they've, they've come now to this moment at the 40-day mark required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And it's this part here that Luke really uh, centers the story around of these three ceremonies. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law of the Lord, 
a pair of doves, and two young pigeons. So one of the first things we learn in this text is that Mary and Joseph were devout uh, Jews. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem, an old man named Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Another way that you can read that is for the comfort of Israel. Jesus would be the comfort, but not just for Israel. We're going to see this in this story. We see it all throughout Scripture that Jesus did not just come for the people of Israel. He came for Jew and Gentile, for the whole world. It's why we, we know this verse better than any. For God so loved the that he gave his son. But he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. We hear more of his story. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Verse 28. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. So here's what we want to see as we go through the rest of this, right? The plan of God. He's sovereign over this whole story. We don't let any little detail just go by us to say, well, that just kind of happened in this story. No, this is all the plan of God, sovereign over it all. And he's referring back to verse 26, where it was revealed to him, You may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, and that salvation is Jesus, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations. And, and I go back to Luke 2, verse 10. There's four parts in this gospel message that the angel delivers in Luke 2, 10. Number one, do not be afraid. Again, a great reminder for all of us believers who live in these days, do not live in fear. And the way we don't live in fear is to keep our eyes on Jesus. He is good news. And we looked at that word good news a couple of weeks ago. And that good news, the message of Jesus coming to earth to die for your sins and for mine, should bring great joy. Remember, we, we, we talked about this a little bit. If the, the good news that was presented to you by maybe a church, a family member, or a friend doesn't bring about great joy, maybe you didn't hear the original version. Because the good news salvation that comes to us through Jesus, our rescuer, our comforter, the bread of life, the one who saves us. That, that brings great joy. And here's the key. Sometimes the greeting card or the meme stops with good news that causes great joy, but we need to keep going because it says the fourth part, to all people. To all people. And that's where we get a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus has come for the whole world. Verse 33 the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And that this would be true for you and for me every time we come to the scripture and read about Jesus, learn about Jesus, that we fall more in love with Jesus, that we marvel and ponder these truths in our hearts as well. Then Simeon blessed them. So he speaks of Jesus, now turns to the parents and blesses Mary, his mother, says this child is destined. Here's this plan again. Again, not just something that's happening but something that has been planned is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel meaning with Jesus now on the scene some will receive and some will reject I think sometimes as Christians we forget that that not all will receive this message it will cause some to fall in love with Jesus and follow Jesus and others will deny run and spend their days persecuting 
cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And this, I think, is important. Now, remember, he's speaking to Mary. And a sword will pierce your own soul too, Mary. Boy, you can stay there for a little bit because Mary, he is your son, but more than your son, he is your savior. And don't forget that. You, even you, Mary, must make a decision about Jesus, your son. And here's what we learned, the first thing out of this text that jumps out in that waiting for the Lord. What you believe about Jesus determines where you stand before God. The decision that you will make. And some of you, you invited a family member or a friend here today. And you've been praying all week. Maybe it's a child that's far from God. Maybe it's a parent that's far from God. Maybe it's a fa another family member or a friend. And Alex Amaya was here a couple of weeks ago. And um, he, he posted this video this week. I think he shared it at his church Sunday. We're probably going to put it on our Instagram story this week for you to watch it. And as I watched that video, I was reminded of what many of you will be doing and have already done today. But you'll do come Saturday to one of our three Christmas Eve services, 1, 2, 30, and 4. And you're like, well, we got big day, Ted. The Chiefs are on at noon. And so count on us at 4. Okay, so we're counting on some of you to DVR the noon game and come at 1. We can't have everybody at 4. But you've already invited your folks. And there are going to be a lot of people because that's Christmas and Easter. And when Alex shared this, it reminded me what some of you are going to be thinking. If I can just share your thoughts. You've been praying for this person for a long time to surrender their lives to Jesus. You've been praying for a long time that this person would come to church and something would click for them. The Holy Spirit would call them by name and they would bow their knee and repent of their sin and become a follower of Jesus. And so you've been praying all week and then you pull down 76 and it starts in our parking lot. And you're praying, Lord, let it be good. Let the interaction in the parking lot be good. May the first greeter we meet not be that weird one. <laughs> that one that's a little too handsy, a little too huggy, little too... I, I'm bringing an introvert and they don't like all of that, that, that. Just let it be the calm one. And maybe it's your husband and you brought your husband and and you got a baby, and you're going to take the baby to Critter Street, and you're like, and you're praying, even as you walk in with this baby, Lord, don't let this baby cry. When I hand this baby over, let this baby be full of joy, because I know what my husband will do. He'll be, I'll take the baby, and I'll sit in the hall. You go in. I don't want him to have any reason to not step in. And, and, and as we walk in, oh, let the worship team be on. Let him be in tune on pitch, in, and just let it smooth. And then, Lord, the real wild card. I pray you bridle the tongue of Ted, that today would be the day he sticks with his notes, and that his notes would make sense, and that he wouldn't deviate. I know, I love when he deviates, but I'm already a believer. Let him... Stay the course and let there only be one name proclaimed from that stage and it be the name of Jesus. And when we leave, we got one more moment in the parking lot. Maybe it, we, maybe on both sides of our car, be Jesus followers who love you. They don't use gestures. Let it just be Pete. Let there be no, let, and you've been, why? 
because you have been praying. And some of you, what we're talking about this waiting has been for decades. And you can, that's going to be your prayer or something like that. And we want you to know as you show up on this campus Christmas Eve, we've been praying as well. And, and we want you to know we, we're going to be praying for your loved one. We're going to be praying for your son and for your daughter, for your mom and for your dad because we know what's at stake. And we pray that, and I mean, I, I told Katie after the first service, how are you going to top that Christmas Eve? And that was my way of saying, you better. <laughs> like, I mean, it better. You, we got to bring it Christmas Eve. We don't, you know, at this church, though, that's, we don't, we, we know singles and doubles wins the game. Uh, but pray that with me for those who have been waiting for the Lord for a long time, for family and for friends. What you believe about Jesus determines where you're going to stand before God. And so let's move to this next great character, Anna. I love this. There was also a prophet, a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. You only get a few verses of her, but you get even more of the how in the waiting. And her story complements that of Simeon's. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84 Look at this. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God. Can you step into this picture for just a second and think about, I, I don't think it was, oh, this is good. Thank you, Lord. And then, and then grabs the baby. No, I, I mean, this is something waiting on, waiting on, waiting on, waiting on, waiting on, and now it is here. She gives thanks to God and spoke about this child to all who were looking forward, and same as the consolation of Israel, for the redemption of Jerusalem. And just, this is just an observation in the text that I think it's important to make. God has always used men and women to proclaim the good news of Jesus from the very beginning until today. He will continue to use men and women to proclaim the good news. And she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And the scripture goes on, and we conclude with this. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. Verse 40, and the child grew and became strong. I love verse 40 to where we'll pick up on Christmas Eve, verse 41. Because I think sometimes, again, in our Bible reading plans, we race through things. And we need to slow down. Because from verse 40 to verse 41 is 12 years. This is the last verse we get in the story about infant baby Jesus. We pick up in verse 41 12 years later. It's like when you watch a movie. Like if they just go from one scene and skip ahead 12 years without saying 12 years later, you're lost. And, and, and it's in this verse 40 to 41. You know, Mark Lowry wrote the best-selling song, Mary, Did You Know? And it's his only song. <laughs> it's his only best-selling song. And I heard him interviewed a few weeks ago, like how he wrote the song. And it was, he was intrigued by this moment right here. He said, if I were to sit down with Mary and ask her a bunch of questions, he goes, I just wrote down every question I would ask about Jesus up until the age of 12. He said, and here's how the song wrote itself. I wrote all these questions down, and the questions that rhymed made a song. <laughs> he goes, but I have a lot of questions that didn't rhyme, but they're still questions for me. 
The child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. You know, as we study in this Advent season, I heard a pastor share this week something I want to share with you. He said, Advent is a season of waiting. That's what this whole season is about. Waiting in darkness, waiting for Jesus, the light of the world to come, waiting for Emmanuel, God with us. In Advent, we repeat an ancient practice, the practice of waiting, waiting on God's promises, waiting for the fulfillment of God's word. He says, waiting has always been a part of our history. 400 years, the Israelites waited for deliverance from Egypt. 70 years, exiled Israelites in Babylon waited for return to Jerusalem. 400 years, from the last words of Malachi to the birth of Jesus. We call that the intertestamental period. Nine months, Mary waits for Jesus to be born. Forty days, she waits to present herself and the newborn Jesus in the temple. Simeon and Anna waited decades for the promised Messiah. Pastor John Piper says this about waiting. Waiting on the Lord is the opposite of running ahead of the Lord. And it's the opposite of bailing out on the Lord. It's staying at your appointed place while he says stay. Or it's going at his appointed pace while he says go. And we need to be reminded today that God is working while we're waiting. And some of you have waited decades for that lost family member to become a Christian, to become a follower of Jesus. Some of you have waited for decades for that child who made a decision early on but now is far from God. And we, just, we need to be reminded today our hope is in the Lord. We're waiting on him. He when we grow weary and he when we're faint and he when we're wanting to be done with the race. And I get it. We just live in a time where it can be exhausting. But when we turn our eyes upon the Lord, that's when our strength is renewed, when that's when work recalibrated and tuned into him. That's why I love the hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And some of you, you have your eyes in the wrong place and your hope is in people, places, or things and it's not in Jesus. And you're growing weary that today would be the day you turn and recenter on him. Waiting is not wasted time. Maybe at the DMV, but, <laughs> but not when we're waiting on the Lord. Remember, this is the time we lean in and we trust and we hope and we know his plan. Waiting is active. It's not passive. Remember, as we looked it's in this story of the first coming of Christ, you and I, just like Simeon and Anna, are waiting for the Lord. They were waiting on the first coming of Christ, and you and I in the church today, we are waiting on the second coming of Christ. And here's what we know with that who, what, when, and how. Jesus is returning for the church at any moment. The who is Jesus, the return, that's the what. The when at any moment, we don't know, but I'm telling you as a church, and you know I talk about death a lot. My kids say too much. Uh, but I don't think we talk enough about the second coming of Christ. And you and I are called to live, to long for the second coming of Christ. We should be watching the news and all we should be saying all throughout the news, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. When we're scrolling the internet, man, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. We should be on edge. Like, I, I mean, I'm on edge. Think about it. I'm looking at Target waiting for Amy to come out. 
I'm waiting and I'm just ready to go. And listen, the car, it's just one little button push to get in the drive and go. This is how you and I, we shouldn't be just laid back, chilling for a lifetime. You and I should have what Eugene Peterson in his paraphrase of, of Luke 21 is, we should have a sharp edge in our waiting for the Lord. We should always be ready. We should be ready for his return at any moment. And that's why until that moment, and again, we've not been promised that it's going to take place in your lifetime. And I, and I need to, I told my kid, I need to talk about the return of Christ as much as I talk about death. Corinne sent me, this is what mom wants for Christmas. And so I ordered it. It was very expensive. And uh, I ordered it. And I even told Corinne in a text back, I said, and don't worry, when we're gone, you get it. So you, this, this is, you should be picking us great gifts, right? Because uh, you get it all. But it just caught me this week thinking, but I'm not talking enough with my young kids. And I get it. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, young people. You should be living in such a way that is constantly anticipating the return of Christ to earth. We're going to see in this text, don't be caught off guard. Because until then, be present, productive, and prayerful. Speaking of the second coming, Luke puts it this way. Uh, in Luke 21, we read this. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. Because this is what a lot of people will fill their time and their days with as they wait upon the return of the Lord. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. No one will escape the second coming of Jesus. Jew and Gentile, all will receive it. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man, Jesus. That you and I would be ready for his return. And so as we close out our time this morning, just four simple things out of this. As we wait, as Simeon and Anna waited for the Lord. Number one, I just want to encourage you, follower of Jesus, don't lose heart. Don't stop waiting. Continue to wait. Don't give up. Stay alert. This is a big one. Stay on the edge of your seat. Don't go the way, I was talking to friends, you know, this week about just every, you know, our, our nation is so polarized and it just seems people are going so far over here and so far over there. And if you stick anywhere in the middle or with Jesus, it's like you haven't changed, you haven't moved, but it's like, and you get it from both sides. Don't, don't let either side drag you in either direction. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus, because guess what? I, I, my friend posted yesterday, he's a comedian, I follow too many comedians, but he said, uh, I can almost guarantee you I have the opposite opinion of whatever you're outraged about today. And I'm like, so true, because everybody wants you to join them in their next fight. Instead, we should be inviting people to join us as we follow Jesus, as we walk with the Lord. So stay alert, be focused, keep working. Retire from your job, that's great. But as my friend Greg Bettis loves to say, refire for the Lord. Retire from a job, we all long for that day. But more than that, we long for the return of the Lord. And so we will stay focused and diligent. And as Anna taught, pray at all times. When you don't have the answers, when you can't figure out everything going on, when you see the wrongs, when you see the injustice, when you see the suffering, don't just wait and become passive become lethargic and haven't we seen this in too many Christians today this just this kicking back and it's like I'm just going to be silent and let me tell you you're not alone because I do the same thing I do the same thing 
when people start to press on me and push on me, I'm like, okay, I'll do that. okay, 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 yeah, all right, knock it off, yeah, all right. You, <laughs> you and I have to stay the course, stay alert, pray at all times, and trust that God is in control when everything is out of control. And what a, what a message we've been getting from this story in Luke 2. Let's wait for the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, and with the words today spoken over Jesus, and with Luke's gospel guiding us, I, just at the beginning, the first coming, ending with the second com- coming, and, and, and the way the, the Lord directed him in this book and telling of this story, this is God's word, and we are grateful for it. I pray that for the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today is the day of their salvation. For the parent, for the spouse, for the child, for the family member who has never, uh, never had more hope for a child, a parent, a spouse to return to the Lord, that, that they would never give up, that they would continue to pray and seek you, that they would wait on you and be productive and prayerful in the meantime. Thank you for this church. We are so grateful for a family of believers that gathers each week and then goes out throughout the week to share this good news. Uh, May men and women alike go and proclaim it this week as we uh, gather around tables, uh, as we meet with family and friends during this season. We pray all this in the authority of the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said, amen.